This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So yeah, like I said, it's incredibly disappointing that we're talking about the opioid poisoning deaths continuing to rise in Alberta, but I don't think it's surprising. Um, it's a problem that has plagued our province and other areas, of course. We're not, we're not unique here, but not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, for far too long, though. It goes back almost a decade now, and there's no question that whatever it is we're trying to do to this point isn't working. In fact, as we said, in the month of April, more Albertans died than in any month ever before. 179. That's an increase of 46% over last year. Before the pandemic in 2019, we had 51 deaths in the month of April. April of 2019, 51 deaths. That's well under a third of what we saw this time around. So, I mean, it's just, uh, it's headed in the wrong direction. We're going to chat now with Ewan Thompson, who is a member of each and every and a board member at AWARE. There's a lot of work in this area. Ewan, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me on, Shay. It's great to uh, be here with you, and and really thanks, uh, deep gratitude for all the interest you've taken in this topic over the years. Yeah, I've, we've talked about it a lot, and I think that's partly why I'm sort of, I wouldn't say frustrated, you, and it's just discouraged, because, I mean, these numbers that came out, clearly, they're tragic. They're, they're disappointing, but not surprising, right? I mean, we sort of saw this coming. Yeah, um, the, the Alberta model of drug policy is really built on a house of cards that, that was always built to fail. Um, we, we know that because we're addressing the problem from a standpoint of addiction treatment. Yeah. Um, but we're not in an addiction crisis here. We're, we're in a drug poisoning catastrophe. Um, there, there are people that, you know, don't, aren't characterized as, as having an addiction that are dying every day in Alberta and across the country. And if we can't get away from this uh, addiction model, um, still offer those services absolutely for people that, that see um, see their issue as really characterized as, as an addiction. Um, but but we really need to offer more flexible options for people outside of that scope. Well, this is the thing, you and I mean, it's really easy to say, hey, listen, we're we're opening up recovery beds, and, and like you say, great, that is fantastic, that is so badly needed everywhere. We, that that's excellent. Congratulations, we really really appreciate. That. That's a wonderful thing for you to do. But that doesn't mean that you're addressing the problem, right? We we can't get tunnel vision with this. You need to be open to all the different aspects that we know that we have evidence will help us reverse this trend. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, all of us know people who have gone through addiction treatment and, and then died in the weeks or months following that. It's it's really hard to watch because, you know, a lot of, these, a lot of the time folks are, are pretty functional, pretty stable, you know, while using drugs. Um, I think what we see in the streets play out a lot of the time is, is issues of housing, food security, yeah. and just general precarity, you know, people being criminalized for, for their very existence. Um, and, and of course, you know, of course that's going to come with other problems and it's going to appear as though the drugs are the problem, but, but that's really a mischaracterization of, of the issue here. Um, I, I think, uh, I think we just need to get back to a point of, of compassion and, and understanding and, and autonomy for people, uh, to make their own decisions because things, really do turn around quickly when people are offered some flexibility and, and some choice. 
And in order to do that, and I guess there's so many different pieces to this. Let's start with the fact that, okay, we're going to, we're going to have autonomy. We're going to have independence. We're going to have that kind of, you know, first things first is keep people alive, right? That's what it is. Because we were having people die, six of them every single day. All the things that we want to do after the fact don't matter if they die, right? So that's step one. What are we missing when it comes to keeping these people alive? What's the first thing we need to do there? Well, we all are familiar with the regulated alcohol supply. You know, no, nobody's dropping dead in a bar from taking a swig of uh, 5% alcohol beer. Um, you know, we, we regulate other drugs in ways that uh, we just refuse to do for opioids, for amphetamines, and so on. These, these other drugs that are equally dangerous to alcohol, but um, that we've decided because of, you know, historical reasons um, that, are, you know, they need to be scheduled as, as controlled substances in different ways and not regulated. And so as a result, the, the whole system is being pushed underground um, and nobody has any real informed consent over what they're taking. Um, you know, they, they've decided for themselves that they need to take these drugs. So that's not our choice to make. But um, for those people, we do uh, have a moral obligation, I believe, to uh, to make sure that they can take those drugs safely. Um, we all take different medicines. You know, drugs are, are not different from those fundamentally um, and, and, in fact, have many medicinal purposes that, that I think we all need to appreciate and acknowledge. So, okay, so what are we looking at? That would be harm reduction and safe supply then, right? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yep, yep, that's, that's, part of the, that's part of the answer here. I mean, I think we're also talking about housing, you know, food security, uh, and just um, reducing some of the structural inequities in our society that, that really give rise to, um, you know, in a lot of cases, a need for greater drug use to, you know, just manage your, your daily existence, which, which can be pretty, pretty tough. You know, I, I just read about a guy uh, in a CBC article today who, who lost five friends in a week and a half, Jeez. you know, a five friends to drug poisoning. Like th- these people live in communities, but, but we're not allowing them to because we're watching their communities erode week after week like this. Like how, are, how is anybody supposed to survive through that? And, and how is anybody supposed to, you know, become abstinent from drugs after, you know, after many years of use, perhaps, but but then after losing five friends, like the, the first thing I would do is turn to the the nearest source of comfort after that, um, and and of course that means that you're putting yourself at increased risk. The, the harder things get for you, the the riskier things get as well, along with the drug supply. So, um, we're, we're just not we're just not appreciating some of these nuances and some of these complex human. Um, issues that that all of us could experience at some point in our lives. You're absolutely right. And, and, and I always talk about this as being a spectrum and, and a full spectrum. And there's so many different pieces. You can't focus on any one of them. But I, I, I'm wondering, is this a how, how do you go about tackling that? You like, where do you start? Where does it begin? Does it begin with harm reduction and safe supply? Or does it begin with secure housing and, and, and you know, safety of the person? I mean, where or does it all have to happen simultaneously? I mean, how do you it is such a massive problem problem how do you take the first step well i mean the first step is to ask people what they need on on a broad scale we we should have politicians out on the streets talking to unhoused people who use drugs and asking them exactly what they need um having done a lot of that myself i, I can speak for some of those folks and i would say that um housing and and safe supply of drugs shouldn't operate independently at all like those things should absolutely 
um, be, be tethered together for people who want to replace their illegal drug consumption with, with regulated drug consumption. That should be an immediate option for them. I don't even know why we're stalling on this. Um, it's really just our, our ideology tethering yeah. us back to, to, to inaction. And, um, you know, and, and housing first, there's, there's so much evidence around these things now. Um, you know, giving people a roof over their heads, making sure that, that they can look after their own safety in that way. Um, just at the most basic level of, of shelter, like, you know, where have, how have we gone so wrong that we just don't even recognize shelter anymore as a basic human right? Um, but, but safe medicine, I think, would be right alongside it. Okay, now, I agree with you. I think harm reduction, safe supply, they're, they're key pieces of this puzzle. If we want to try and solve this puzzle, they have to be included. However, whenever I talk about this and whenever we talk about this on the air, I hear from people, and I'm sure you hear from people, you and saying, oh, we'll take a look at B.C., They've done that. They've done harm reduction. They've done safe supply. People are still dying out there at record numbers. It doesn't work. Your plan doesn't work, and it just leads to social disorder and chaos in the streets. Um, is there any indication that where we're using harm reduction and safe supply, people are surviving uh, where maybe they aren't in other places where it's harder to access that? Yeah, uh, first of all, I'll just say yes right away. Like, yes, the evidence is very, very clear now that safe supply programs are delivering huge benefits for people who can have the good fortune of being able to enroll in them and that's from that's across the country now that's in ontario and bc yeah. primarily um but we're seeing it elsewhere in quebec as well and um and it's uh you know it, it's showing tremendous promise for for anybody who's currently exposed to the illegal drug supply but um at a more like kind of basic level in this dispute that that is always brought up between alberta and bc bc does not have a harm reduction model they they, they have no interventions at this point other than the recently passed recently enacted decriminalization Decrim, yeah. Um, th- that would possibly operate on a population scale here. Um, you know, the, the overdose prevention sites they have uh, are, are, are too minimal, not not present enough in some of the places where they're needed, and they're criminalized deeply. You know, look at Prince George, for example, or, or downtown Eastside Vancouver. Um, and the safe supply programs are only reaching about 5% of the people who are currently uh, exposed to the illegal drug supply anyway. So that's never going to have a population-level effect. We need to scale these programs up. We need to help uh, replace the illegal, unregulated drug supply with regulated options for people who are already using anyway. Has that happened anywhere? Has has anybody got it right? You know, when you take a look around at this, and, and, and like I say, we're not unique. I mean, we, we can't single out Alberta as the only failures in addressing this problem. It happens everywhere. Has anybody got it right? Yeah, I mean, Alberta and D.C. both effectively have the same model, right? We, we use a treatment-based approach. It's very much yeah. based on abstinence. It's pushing people towards abstinence. Every Everything is geared towards that. Even when we talk about harm reduction, it's only ever, uh, you know, keep people long enough so they can access treatment. You hear that over and yep. over again, and it's kind of sickening because you're not actually appreciating their autonomy within this. But but there are countries around the world that have decriminalized, like Portugal, yep. uh, like like some South American countries. Um, Spain has has always had a lot more flexible options around uh, around uh, drug policy, and um, you know, and we're looking at more and more countries in Europe just kind of looking at looking over at these ones and saying. You know, what have we been doing for these last decades following the American war on drugs down that down that awful path? Um, so I think Canada has an option to really lead the way. I think there should be federal interventions. Obviously, we should be talking about federal decriminalization at this point. Um, but but scaling up the safe supply options as an emergency measure to just get people, uh, you know, away from the illegal supply that that's really um, just just so becoming more and more unsafe as as the days and weeks go by. Here, you know, we just had a you know, there's a whole new effectively new wave of of toxic drugs now entering with with xylazine yeah. in, uh, in the opioid supply so uh, things are only going to get worse uh, until we stop 
uh, talking about this exclusively through an addiction treatment scope. That's the thing, right? The drug supply just continues to get worse. You mentioned xylazine. We all know about fentanyl. I mean, it, 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 we, you don't know it. Like like, like the, um, Dr. Gosh said, you're playing Russian roulette every time. Yeah, it very much is. It very much is a game of Russian roulette for people. Um, but that doesn't stop anybody. Of course. You know, it, it, and it's, and it's understandable. I think, I think we need to get to that point. You know, people are living so precariously right now. There's, there's folks that are, you know, not just dying of drug poisoning in the winters, but, but also dying of frostbite. Yeah, you know, yeah. things like that. The frostbite injuries, the, the freezing to death. Like, how are we allowing this? To, I think that the, the very fact that we're allowing that to happen is an indication that, that we're doing a lot of things wrong right now. And I think we should take a really hard look at, at just how we um, how we convey treat and provide health care for people and, and treat each other, yeah. yeah, at these really fundamental levels of, of just basic human rights. Ewan, unfortunately, I'm out of time. We could talk a lot longer. We will. We'll set this up and do it again soon. Thank you, sir.